welcome back to Millennial Mental Health. This is Stephanie Conter O'Hara, licensed professional counselor. Today we're going to be talking about marriage and millennials, and I have with me Stephanie, who's going to be a part of the conversation today. Stephanie, do you mind introducing yourself? Sure. I'm Stephanie. I'm a friend of Stephanie's from our great days in Denver together. Um, I am. I work as a geologist uh, in New Mexico um, for New Mexico, or I'm sorry, uh, Los Alamos National Lab. Okay. Well, thank you so much for introducing yourself. So we're going to start off this conversation with a question. What thoughts do you think are uniquely related to mental health and marriage that maybe previous generations haven't considered? Well, I can tell you just from my experience with my own parents of being, you know, some of like the younger, I guess, like baby boomer generation that they, um, I don't think that they ever really dealt with mental health on their own, much less as like a team or as a married couple. And I think that these days, um, I just know from my own experiences, again, that couples are there, you know, we try to support each other in our own like mental health struggles. So I think it's just kind of like the opposite, like as opposed to just ignoring it and pretending like there aren't any mental health issues, it's working on things together. Yeah, I would agree. My parents also are younger baby boomers, and I don't even think mental health was a topic that they talked about before they were married. And if they did, it was maybe like two sentences. It wasn't like a long conversation about how is your family's mental health or how is your own mental health? And I think they just kind of like, I don't know, plowed through those things rather than worked on them. And I know a lot of millennials are more invested in that now. I know. And I think that it has something to do with the fact that our parents were just not raised to like consider mental health issues. I mean, I feel like in the fifties when my parents were born, you know, women were still being like sort of sent away to mental institutions for having like unplanned pregnancies. So I feel like just because of that culture that they were raised in, it just wasn't even like a thing that was on anybody's radar. I feel like my parents kind of got more in tune with their own mental health issues when my brothers and I started to struggle as teenagers. That sort of introduced this like whole concept to my family. I don't know if you had the same experience, but. Yeah, I would say that my parents, as well as even my extended family, really didn't consider mental health probably until we were all teenagers, all of my cousins, as well as myself. Mm -hmm. Um, I just don't think that was something, again, that was really talked about. And if it was, it was like, oh, that person's crazy. Or like, oh, that person has like some, like, I don't know, serious mental illness, rather than talking about mental wellness and how we can all work on ourselves to be better in our relationships and Mm -hmm. better partners to our partners. Or it just wasn't talked about. So I think we kind of are growing up in this like very unique time where we might be, I don't know, like the first generation that really considered mental health as important. You know, maybe some uh, Gen X have more ideas about mental health, but as far as like our parents go, like they didn't really, at least in my experience, they didn't really have mental health in mind as a topic to discuss in their marriage. Yeah, I agree. And I also feel like it was not, it was very much, I think, you know, looking back on my parents, especially like their early experiences and hearing about like my mom, my mom's postpartum issues. 
um, I don't think that it was really something that they dealt with together. I feel like it was something that she was sort of left to deal with on her own, which I, I mean, I can imagine, especially dealing with something like postpartum, having to deal with that on your own would be devastating. So I'm glad that I think the culture is has at least shifted, if not changed about that. Yeah, it's so interesting. Actually, the most recent podcast, we talked to two people who are all about moms and and mental health and raising your kid in you know millennial generation and how we're really trying their whole company is basically how to make a difference with women now being parents and wives and how their mental health plays into their relationships with their partners so that's awesome i feel like it's so important yeah definitely not a resource that probably was around even um back when your mom experienced postpartum yeah, definitely. Because if you think about it, I mean, like, especially with like, the attachments that infants have, and so I've seen through friends that have been struggling with postpartum, I find that they have a really difficult time, like bonding with their baby. And I can imagine that maybe later in life, that would be some sort of an issue for some of them. Um, if they're never able to, to really establish that bond because of like a postpartum issue, I can imagine that, that would be a problem. Um, you know, if if, a, if especially a mom, if she doesn't get that extra support, that it would be really difficult um, later down the road. Yeah, and then it impacts the marriage mm-hmm. as well, I would think. Like, if your yeah. husband's just like, oh, everything's chill, and you're like, no, it's not. I'm freaking out over here. Pay attention. I, know. I think it would be very difficult to have a healthy relationship um, if postpartum is ignored. I agree. It's also, so I have the experience of having witnessed, you know, my best friend sort of fall into a postpartum on her second pregnancy, not the the first one, she was fine. And I realized um, when she started referring to her baby as that baby, I was like, "Uh oh, (laughs) like we're in trouble here. And um, I asked her if she had spoken to her husband about it. And she was like, no, he has so much going on. He doesn't need to worry about this. And I was like, oh, no, like this is something like you guys are in this together. He doesn't get to just like peace out because things get hard. Like he wouldn't have gotten, you know, he wouldn't have had to want to have like multiple kids with you if he didn't want to be there to support you through it not just, you know, help raise the children with you. So it was, um, you know, kind of an eye-opening experience that even today, like people our age are still having these struggles of being able to discuss with their intimate partners, especially something like postpartum. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because, it, you know, I think that a lot of people still see this as being some sort of like a burden. Yeah, I think mental health is still stigmatized. Um, I'm hoping that we're all moving in the right direction, obviously. I mean, just the fact that she had someone in her life giving her that advice, maybe if she would have said that to a friend, you know, 40 years ago, that wouldn't have been something that someone said. So I think that in itself is progress, which is good. Yeah, I would hope so. So why do you think a lot of millennials are delaying marriage? You know, I know my parents got married at like 22, 23, and I mm-hmm. know my grandparents were married at like 18, 19. So yeah. in comparison, millennials are getting married much later than that. Why do you think that is something that is very common? So I, again, am not an expert. I'm a geologist. <laughs> so this is all just based on like conjecture of my own um, observant, like observations. But I honestly think that it has a lot to do with the fact that like we, you know, we're the children of like the first generation that was really where divorce was really like acknowledged and accepted as being an option. 
So I think that our parents honestly like got married because while, you know, later on in their lives, they were allowed to be divorced. I think early on, they still had these like cultural um, expectations that you would be married and living together before you had kids or, um, you know, really to like have those kind of um, milestones in a relationship that we as millennials just kind of take for granted. The fact that like we can live with multiple you know, partners throughout our 20s or 30s um, without any judgment. It's sort of, it's not even something that is like, uh, you know, optional. I feel like it's almost something that everyone does at this point. And I think a lot of it has to do with just the cost of living. And the fact that like living alone, especially in like a big city, just isn't really an option for a lot of people. So um, I also have a lot of friends that are buying houses and having kids before they get married. And I honestly think that it's like, again, you don't have to be married anymore culturally for those things to be accepted. And um, I honestly think that a lot of people just see themselves as already being married. They really don't see the benefit of this legal um, attachment to one another until, you know, later in life when they've kind of gotten everything else sorted out. Yeah, and I also think there's this perspective, at least from people that I've talked to, that going to college first before marriage is important, or having other life experiences like traveling or, I don't know, whatever kind of like floats your boat in your 20s is higher valued than perhaps it was, you know, a few decades ago. Yeah. You know, I know in my early 20s, I was not thinking about getting married at all. And to think that my parents got married at like 22, 23, <laughs> it's like, what? Like, I could it's barely, de- yeah, I could barely decide where I, what I wanted to eat for dinner. Like, how was I supposed <laughs> to decide who I wanted to marry? Like, it just seems so unfathomable to consider at that age. When I was 28 and I realized that my parents had at that point been married and had three children by the time they were 28, I, I had like a an existential crisis of being like, how did they do this? Because <laughs> I just, I still felt like such a, such a little kid at 28. Um, and maybe it's because our generation is like a little bit babied, but I, I don't really think so. I honestly think that we just have so many more obstacles to overcome. Um I know for me in particular, like I have never wanted kids. So I didn't have that like biological drive to get married, to start having babies. And I think that that sort of like, because I didn't have that drive, I was just so distracted in my twenties doing my own thing and like trying to find myself and like be an adult on my own that it just, it wasn't even on my radar. So (laughs) like every time a friend would get married, I would be like, Oh, weird. (laughs) You know, such a foreign concept to me. And I don't know if you experienced this, but my parents definitely taught me this idea of like independence. Like you need to be independent before you can rely on someone else. You need Mm -hmm. to be able to figure out your own, you know, stuff before you settle down. And, you know, that may not be the lesson of that a lot of people receive, but that was really like enforced in my household. Mm -hmm. And I know for myself when I was 22, 23, like, I was still struggling a lot with my mental health. Like I was anxious all the time. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I couldn't even figure out what I wanted to eat for dinner most nights. And that was just like the start of all of the options and all of the opportunities that I had. They just felt so endless. And I think I often fell into that like choice paradox um, that so many millennials and I imagine Gen Z and whatever generations come after us Mm -hmm. um, will face. 
Yeah, I agree. And along with that, too, I also feel like there's such a high expectation for us to sort of like succeed and be successful. And I, it's so hard to do that with a partner in tow. Like, I feel like that was part of my experience is that like I've moved, you know, over 30 times just in the last 10 years. And if I had to like drag a partner along with me that entire time, I just can't imagine that that would have been, you know, an option. But I also don't know how I would have been able to succeed at my own goals and the goals that were expected of me um, with with that obstacle, not really an obstacle, but just like another, you know, option to consider. Um, I wonder if that is like, if that's a common feeling that people of our generation feel that, you know, I like, we kind of have to be alone or don't have to be alone, but like, we just don't get serious about the idea of getting married because we're just trying to find our own way. I think that has to play a part. Cause if I were to think back to at least my circle of friends in college, like we all had very specific career goals in mind. And if you have a partner who is equally dedicated to figuring out their own career goals, but they're different, it's like, how do you make those two lives kind of run parallel to each other if they're, you know, have opposite directions? So mm-hmm. it would almost be impossible, I think, to try to have that kind of um, relationship that my parents had. Like when, for example, my parents, my dad had a really good job and my mom had a, a, a good job, but my dad, for the first five, 10 years of their marriage was the breadwinner. And, and I think that even dynamic has shifted in millennial marriages that like both people are being providers oftentimes Mm -hmm. um, rather than just one spouse or one partner taking the lead. Yeah. And I, um, now that you say that, I think that that's probably actually one of the things that sort of drove me to be, um, like independent on my own was just seeing the fact that like my mom was kind of dependent on my dad. Like she was a stay at home mom for a long time, um, which is something that we don't see a lot in our, in our generation, I think. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, having that sort of like complexity of having, you know, one partner be, you know, kind of the, the breadwinner by a lot. Um, I don't, I just don't think that's something that we really see anymore. And I think that there's probably a couple of reasons for that. And one being the expectation on all of us in our generation of, you know, again, going to college, getting a good job, succeeding at all of that. Um, But then also this, the cost of living is something that I kind of always come back to because I just can't, you know, it's so expensive to buy a house, to pay off your student loans, to have kids. Like how can you do that without having a dual income? So I think, you know, that is sort of a, a stereotype that's been broken by our generation. And I think it's a complex idea, you know, in that there's many reasons as to why it was broken, if that makes sense. Yeah, I definitely think the economy has played a role in a lot of people's choices and probably also impacted a lot of people's mental health. Like, I know there's a struggle with being able to afford things like rent or a mortgage or your student Mm -hmm. loan payments. I think I read yesterday that the average student loan payment is like $300. 
And I would argue that I know plenty of people who pay way more than that a month mm -hmm. to, to pay their student loans. So oh, yeah. if people are paying complete car payments or rent payments just to their student loans, how do they expect to finance a wedding or fin finance like having a child or any of these other like life goals that people tend to have? Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, I know people who have, you know, a couple thousand dollars a month or like $1,200 a month in their student loan payments. And it's like, well, I don't know, like, maybe it's just because I'm naive, but I just don't even know how you would afford to live. I mean, unless you're making really good salary, um, how you're affording to live with that kind of a student loan payment. And then think about the fact that they're making those payments for 20 plus years. Some yeah. Of them. And then when you add a partner into it, then it mm -hmm. could be like, Oh, well, now we have to pay, like, let's say both people had $1,200 loans. Now we have to pay $2,400 a month to student loans, you know, if you're married. Whereas if you're single, you only have to worry about perhaps like your own student loan bills. You don't also have to take the burden on of someone else's. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I always love these like ridiculous articles that are like millennials are killing this industry. And it's like, or we've just been like priced out of it. So we're just finding different ways to feel like, I'm sorry, uh, you know, I don't own a $400,000 house because I have a $2,500 a month student loan payment. Yeah. Like, what are we supposed to do? Yeah, I think there's definitely things that perhaps older generations don't understand about the millennial experience when it comes yeah. to finances and the way that we manage our, our lives differently. Yeah. I mean, completely. And the, you brought up a good point about like being able to pay for a wedding. I don't, I can't even tell you how many of my friends are long-term partners that aren't married because they're like, I just like, we don't want to spend the money on a wedding or we want to wait until we can get married the way that we want to not just going to the courthouse. Um, I think that's something that's still like really important to people and the fact that it's so expensive um, and there are just so many more day to day, like more relevant expenses, you know, people just put it off and kind of put it out of, the, out of their minds. Well, that goes back to that industry pricing themselves like too high that it's like too high of a cost to even get into. Right. It's like, well, yeah. if your marriage is going to cost you like $20,000 or a wedding's going to cost you $20,000. It's like, how the heck? Do you afford that? Even know, if you don't have your parents to back you up, it's still a ton of money. All I can say is that, like, if I had twenty thousand dollars just like laying around to pay for something like a wedding, it wouldn't go towards the wedding. It would go towards like the down payment on a house or my student loans to like absolve me of that, you know, like baggage. It's like it's just unfathomable that people, you know, it's it's unfathomable to me in my current situation that that's where that money would go. And I can imagine that that's how a lot of people feel. Yeah, no, for sure. How do you think the dynamics in marriage might be different in a, or even in relationships with millennials that it might be different and from previous generations? I honestly feel like we are more focused on being partners than we are on um, you know, for instance, like, I feel like a lot of reasons why, like, my mom and her friends got married at a young age was to, like, have babies with somebody or to be taken care of by someone. Um, and I honestly feel like we are more focused on finding partnerships that are, um, that are there, you know, kind of for the long run. Um, and then I also, I mean, not to say that all of my friends have done this or thought this way because certainly they thought they were getting married for the right reasons and it didn't work out for whatever reason. But 
um, that's kind of what I see for the most part. Um, it's people waiting because they just want to find the right fit. Like the first time around, they don't want to try multiple times. Yeah. And I think finding a partner that is your equal is something that's also really important to millennials. Oftentimes, I mean, obviously there's exceptions to this rule. I don't want to be super over general, but right. I, I do think that a lot more men and women are looking for people who are the equal, especially if you have, I think, a really independent, strong spirit. That's something that you would look for, which perhaps yes. in the past wasn't as common of a stereotype. Yes. I think that I find like being someone who's like spirited and independent the way that you said that, um, I think I've found the a problem in that like I find partners who are really strong and independent themselves, but they want someone who's sort of more instead of wanting that like equalness in the independence, they want someone who's like a little bit more, I think like I, subservient is the wrong word, but maybe just not someone who's, who will sort of like go along with what they want to do rather than have their own agenda. Um, so I think it's like an interesting, just, you know, like a different dynamic that people are looking for. I think though, this equality in relationship adds an interesting dynamic because I, as a married person, I would say there's a lot more conflict or can be a lot more conflict over like, why don't you just agree with me? Like, why don't you just, why don't you <laughs> just agree with me? Like, take my side, take my side. And both of us do it, right? Because we're both like have our own strong mm -hmm. opinions, but I wouldn't have wanted to partner with someone who didn't have their own opinions on things and someone who's just going to follow my lead all the time. But that creates, yeah. again, like more conflict. But I almost feel like the conflict is better to have that than someone who's just like submissive and going to follow, which may have been ideal for relationships in the past. Yeah. Well, I think also, um, you know, historically women are sort of supposed to fit that role. Um, so I think we're seeing kind of a shift in the fact that like, oh, all of a sudden women have their own agenda. They have their own, um, you know, futures. They have their own career goals. They have different goals that might not perfectly align with their husbands and therefore you know, they have to find some sort of a compromise in their relationship to make it work for both of them. Um, which I, I mean, that was like, I've seen that so many times and especially like parents or, you know, my friend's parents where that like, what <laughs> the woman doesn't have, the mom doesn't have like an option that she just goes along with whatever the dad does. Like, I can't tell you how many times I had friends, um, as kids or when we were kids that their parents, um, or they were moving because their dad got transferred. It was never the mom. It was always just the dad getting transferred somewhere. Yeah, I agree. Probably didn't hear so. so much about that when we were kids. And I would hope, and I think now there are more women who also take promotions and are willing to put their careers first. I know there's a lot of, um, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of tension around this idea though of like, career coming first or relationship coming first or children coming first that almost is now something that we are talking about in our relationships compared to mm -hmm. in the past it was like well of course like children and family come first like career is not even on the table yeah no that's that's very true um and i you know speaking from someone who my sister-in-law is i mean she is the breadwinner like 
my brother was telling me if, you know, if he was to get laid off, like, eh, you know, it'll be like a struggle, but like, they'll get through. He was like, if my wife gets laid off, like we have six weeks to get our stuff figured out and like, we'll be in trouble. Um, and she definitely is the one that like makes the decisions kind of, um, I think he's sort of on like the back end, but I also think that like he enjoys the fact that the pressure is off of him to be in that role. And he is more than happy to sort of oblige by the the non-traditional roles that they play in that aspect. But she also, you know, like she wanted to wait until her career was in a certain spot to have kids. Um, so it, you know, sort of just a different, I guess, different take. On and those two are right on the edge of being X and um, millennial. I think that is interesting um, perspective to think about too, because it's not just women who have changed um, and mm-hmm. women's perspective on marriage that's changed. I think men have also, some men, again, I don't, I don't want to be over general, have changed their perspective on marriage. Um, mm-hmm. Like I mentioned, I am married and I feel like my husband oftentimes is like totally fine with me just like, Oh, like you're going to do this cool thing. Like that's going to make us more money. Like, awesome. I'll just like sit back and let that happen. And I have have no problem with you making more money than me, which, you know, I imagine again, like 30 years ago, if I would have made more money than my partner, it probably would have been super like taboo or like very threatening to, to a man at that time. Yes, I would agree on the threatened part. I find that a lot, like just hearing my my male friends kind of talk about the fact that their girlfriends or wives are, you know, kind of kicking butt and taking names, like they definitely feel um, threatened by it. And I feel like um, that's that's just not something that they should feel at all. Like if you are in a relationship where your partner is the one that's sort of like bringing home the bacon, I feel like you should just like sit back, enjoy it, like support them as much as you can. And just know that like your, you know, the, the other ways of bringing, you know, equality to the table are, it's just a different dynamic in your relationship. Like just enjoy the fact that your, your partner is successful and do what you can to support them in other ways, if not financially. Yeah, I think that's another thing that relationships now are different is we see support in a variety of ways, not just in a financial way. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I remember, and I know this is still somewhat of a stereotype, like when a dad watches a kid, they're like babysitting. I'm like, no, that's your own yeah. child. That's not babysitting. <laughs> like that's being a dad, right? And I yeah. think that's much more of a common idea now than, again, probably ever has been yep I think it's so funny like seeing my brother with his daughter um and his wife my brother cannot and I think that this is like an age-old like male female stereotype of the fact that like men are not maybe like their their biggest strength is not um multitasking Whereas for women, like multitasking is just, I think, a part of our nature. And I think it a lot of it biologically comes from the fact that we have to, you know, we've been kind of bred to take care of children. Um, but I noticed he was like, he would ask like his wife or I to watch the baby and we'd be like, yeah, sure. And then he would be like really nervous if we were still sitting there, like looking at our phone or if we were like cooking. And he's like, but like, are you, are you going to watch? And we're like, dude, we can do two things at once. Like, don't worry. But it was just like hilarious to like, and she and I would just sort of like look at each other knowingly. Um, 
be like, he just, you know, he doesn't get it because that's just not one of his strengths. But it's, you know, I love the fact that he is so dedicated to being a dad. Um, and he's not at all ashamed of the fact that he is like such a girl dad and such a, you know, he's so into it. It's hilarious. And I adore it. Well, that's awesome. Uh, I hope that other, yeah, I hope that other men like have that experience and they don't, you know, that they're embracing it. Yeah, I think relationship dynamics in millennials and the way that we view mental health will probably continue to shift. And I, I like that about being in this generation where I feel like perhaps previous generations can get more stuck in their ways or almost like get in their own way and evolving mm-hmm. and changing. So I, I'm, you know, obviously I'm speaking maybe a little bit premature since, you know, only in our thirties, but I hope each decade we all learn and continue to grow and evolve. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's pretty great that like, I always say that, you know, I'm not ashamed of being a millennial. Like I think that we were given a pretty crap hand and we have made, I mean, we've really made the most of it. You know, we do have crippling student loan debt. We do have, we've dealt with how many recessions at this point? Like how many times that we're, you know, our future is like so, um, so unsure. And we're just making it work. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that like we can be open about those struggles with each other um, and support each other. And we all know that like, it's not easy for everybody. Like we're all kind of in this together. Um, and of course, that's like a super general statement, but that's just how I, I like want to feel about our generation. Like I see my peers succeeding and I'm thrilled for them because, you know, we, we kind of we've had a rough go at it. Yeah, I, I hope that we can continue to come together as a community um, because I, I think that is not as common unfortunately um in other generations and i think that's fairly evident based on things that are going on in the world and i would love if again the the therapist in me is like let's all just hug and like talk it out but i know that's (laughs) not gonna happen overnight um but yeah i guess that's also kind of how i see relationships too like everything is about connection and everything is about taking care of one another um, and mm-hmm. I, I hope that other people share that idea of, about how relationships are probably one of the most valuable things we have in our lives because we can't, whether it's relationships with our partners or relationships with our friends, like we can't go this journey alone. Um, mm-hmm. at least if we did, we probably wouldn't make it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I hope that millennials in general and people to come and maybe even older people too can view relationships as like the building block of our society. I think that since the pandemic, I think that we've, a lot of people have sort of learned that like community is, is definitely one of the most important things, like feeling connected, feeling like you're not alone. And I really hope that, um, you know, people have found community throughout this experience of sort of being like self-isolated or, you know, staying at home more. Um, I think we've been really creative um, in just like nurturing our community, making sure that people, um, you know, that everybody's okay. Like I have two friends that call once a week. They say that they they call it making their rounds. (laughs) So they call their closest friends once a week just to make sure that like everybody's okay. And like, they always say like, if you don't want to talk, that's fine. Like, but answer the phone so that you pick up and I know that you're okay. And like, 
I just think it's so wonderful. And I hope that this is something that we continue. And I hope that it's something that, you know, couples start to really, um, like, I just hope it's something that everybody can kind of relate to. And, um, sorry, I don't know what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And something that we, we continue to focus on together. Like continue to value in our lives, like this connection. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for your time today and I hope everyone can take away something and I will talk to you all next week. Bye.